raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. Uh, it is now time, though, to talk some college football with a man who covers college football for Pro Football Focus. It is Max Chadwick who joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, and he does so on WFNZ and the WFNZ app. Max, Will Pelagic, and Travis T-Bone Hancock, how are you, pal? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you guys so much for having me on. So in terms of the world of college football, we go into this basically final year of that four-team playoff. Is it almost a scenario where we look at this and say, this is almost kind of a, I don't want to say lost season nationally, but are you kind of feeling like this is really kind of the, the preamble for when real, real, real party starts? Yeah, it kind of is. And, you know, that's a really good way to look at it is because, like, yeah, I actually saw a tweet from someone who says, you know what, if you enjoy college football right now, well, enjoy this last season because everything is going to change after this upcoming season. Obviously, the 14 playoff, it's in its final year this year. And then also a lot of schools, are in their final year in their conference. A lot of major, major programs, USC, UCLA, their final year in the Pac-12 is this year. Oklahoma and Texas, their final year in the Big 12 is this year. And then obviously you still have a lot of rumors about other schools potentially leaving their conference as well very soon. So, yeah, I mean, if you're uh, if you're kind of a guy who loves the, the college football that you grew up with, well, it's going to be changing very, very soon. So I, I recommend that you enjoy this last season. But for, for me and for a lot of other people I know, uh, I'm really excited to see where college football goes from here. Max, when you look at the top of college football this year, is it, again, Georgia just on their own tier? Like, Georgia's just going to be what they were, just keep on rolling? Is there any slippage there? What do you expect from Georgia? They're obviously great, but what level of greatness will the Bulldogs be at here in 2023? Yeah, I think, I think you know, they are the favorites to win it all next year, and I think that's fair. Obviously, you won back-to-back national championships, and you deserve to be the number one team. They still have a ton of superstars on that team. Brock Bowers, I think, is going to go down as one of the greatest tight ends in college football history. I think that's how amazing he is. Uh, they still have NFL talent all across the field, even after losing so many key pieces. I mean, remember from that uh, the team that won the first national championship? They had 15 players taken in the NFL draft that, that following year, which was a record number of players from one school, and they still went 15-0 and and won the national championship the following year. So I think Anytime you look at a team and say, oh, they lost so much, like Georgia, you still have to say, you know what, they, they lost so much the year before, too, and they still went undefeated to win the national championship. So I think they're the preseason number one team. Uh, I don't think they're going to three-peat, which hasn't happened since the 1930s when Minnesota did it. I don't think Georgia's going to three-peat this year. Uh, I actually think Michigan is going to end up doing it this year. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think Georgia, man, I mean, if you ask me right now, though, like, does Michigan deserve to be number one preseason? Absolutely not, because – Kirby Smart showed us nothing that he just reloads, man. He never rebuilt. Talking with Max Chadwick, pro football focused college football analyst. Max, what's your read on Clemson as they come into this year, first year in the ACC without division? So the the glut of the conference kind of gets mishmashed together. They open with Duke, and there's a couple of other games that are on their schedule that we're not used to seeing, but they still feel like the class of the conference for now. 
Do you feel like the gap is shortening? And number two, do you feel like Cade Klubnick can get back or get Clemson back to that quarterback tier where they were with Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, and the like? Yeah, I think, you know, I think the gap is shortening. I think it's actually shortened enough. Um, I hate to throw too many hot takes on this show, but... I think oh, Florida trust me, State, it's never never enough on this show. Don't worry about it. You, you, <laughs> do you, Max, do you. I appreciate that. I, I actually, Florida State is one of my teams this year. I think they're winning the ACC and making the playoff this year. Uh, but yeah, I, Clemson, man, I, I am so pumped to see what they have in store this year. Obviously, uh, they got a new offensive coordinator this year in uh, Garrett Riley, Lincoln Riley's younger brother. He won the Broyles Award last year at TCU as their offensive coordinator, which was given to the top assistant coach in the country. Um, so I am so excited to see what he can do with that Clemson offense. And you mentioned, yeah, Kay Klubnick, a lot, a lot of hype. I mean, he was the number one quarterback recruit in the 2022 class, and he played pretty well in the limited time that we saw from him. Uh, obviously, the ACC championship game, I thought he was phenomenal in against North Carolina. Uh, the bowl game, not so much. You know, he wasn't as great against Tennessee. Uh, but, yeah, I think Kay Klubnick, obviously the sky's the limit for him. And working with a guy like Garrett Riley, I, I think that – if they can really work well together. I mean, yeah, Clemson can get back to the college football playoffs and can get back to just rattling off ACC championships. And, you know, they got the talent defense, too. They got a pretty good defense, uh, especially the best linebacking core in the country, I think, between Jeremiah Trotter Jr. and, and Barrett Carter. But, yeah, I think Clemson's got the talent. It really just comes down to whether or not uh, Cade Klubnick can blossom with Garrett Riley. We're talking to Max Chadwick. He's on Twitter at Max Chadwick CFB, doing a great job on the college side of Pro Football Focus podcast. And he talked to Caleb Williams, a lot of big names in the sport. Check him out at Max Chadwick CFB. Max, there's some there's some juice with Tobacco Road football here in the Carolinas. Wake Forest has found consistency, as has NC State. UNC's got Drake May, and Duke was really one of the darlings of the sport last year. When you look at those four programs right now, is there one that you like the most entering this season of Duke, Carolina, State, and Wake Forest? Yeah, I, I you know, I, Duke really had an awesome year. I don't know if that's the school I would go with, but Duke really did have a, an awesome year last year. But uh, I think Wake Forest, even after losing Sam Hartman, I think they're still a school that um, has, you know, really gotten a lot of momentum recently. So I think Wake Forest is a school that would continue to do that. Um, but, I, man, North Carolina, it's hard not to pick them, too, when they have the second-best quarterback in college football, in my opinion, in Drake May, who ultimately might be the number one pick in the draft if, you know, things don't go as great for Caleb Williams this year or Drake just honestly just kills it this year. Um, he's going to be kind of by himself, you know, after losing both of his top two receivers in Josh Downs and Antoine Green. Um, and he lost his offensive coordinator, too, in Phil Longo, who I thought was a really good offensive coordinator. So it's kind of going to be all on Drake May this year, but I think if, if he can still put up, you know, video game numbers like he did last year, that'll show a lot to NFL teams. You know, okay, this guy can carry a team. This is a guy that, you know, we want as our franchise quarterback. So, yeah, I think North Carolina, I don't know if they're going to be good enough for Drake to really have a legit chance of the Heisman Trophy, um, but I do think that Drake is going to drag that team to probably, like, eight wins, maybe nine if they have a really good season. Flipping to the opposite side of the border, South Carolina comes off of a very good second season for Shane Beamer and obviously going into uh, what is a, a pretty promising year going into it. I think there are a lot of people who look at this and say that this could be a jumping off point for South Carolina, but the schedule this year is very, very tough. Mention the fact that the, the SEC East is never going to get easier when you have Georgia at the top. Could this be a year where South Carolina has a better year than last year, but maybe not as good a record? 
Yeah, I think it's funny you say that because, you know, you look at the SEC teams and, like, you ask me right now, is South Carolina a top 25 team? And I probably say yes. The problem is, though, that there's, like, eight, eight or nine, maybe even ten SEC teams that you could say are top 25 teams. So it's like you look at that schedule and say, okay, you know, South Carolina goes, what, seven and five? And you're like, okay, that's, like, that's fine. It's like, no, in the SEC, man, winning seven games is like winning nine, ten games in almost any other conference. So, uh, yeah, South Carolina, like I said, brutal schedule, but – I love what Shane Beamer is building down there. I know Spencer Rattler uh, was a really up and down last year. Obviously, that Tennessee game, he was phenomenal, but there are a lot of other games where he just wasn't that at all. Want to see him make a big jump. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people are putting a lot of hype on him. I just want to see more of a jump from him, but they were a fun team last year, man. You know, they, they played spoiler to both Tennessee and Clemson. Uh, both those schools were hoping to make a college football playoff in the final weeks of the season. South Carolina beat both of them in back-to-back weeks. To, to end the season, so uh, they yeah they were they were a really fun spoiler team last year. I think they're focused now on instead of trying to spoil other teams, they try to make a little bit of a run themselves. I just I just don't think they're as good enough in the SEC. I think they're a great team in terms of college football, but the SEC man, there's still so many teams ahead of them. So I think another you know solid seven and five, maybe eight and four season is in the cars for them though. Max, what's your expectation for Tennessee? Because that kind of ties into the Gamecocks here. Do you do you think Tennessee just continues kind of what they were last year? Is there is there a drop off with Milton? What, what do you think of the Vols this season? I, I really do think Tennessee is going to still be a, a great team in college football. I think that you know they are still a top ten team in the country. You know they lost Hendon Hooker, lost Jalen High, and you know anytime a school loses that, you're like, oh wow, they're going to take a big step back. But they still have a great receiving core there. Um, and then I think really the, the key to this, and I think. Um, was Josh Heupel's brilliance as an offensive play caller. And I, I think that was more responsible for Tennessee's amazing offense than Hendon Hooker or Jalen Hyatt were, honestly. And I, I think both are great players, don't get me wrong, but I really think it's a scheme that you could just put in almost uh, a lot of players and they would really blossom in there. So I think Joe Millen, obviously with the strongest arm in college football, I think he's going to work really, really well in that vertical passing offense that Tennessee has for taking a lot of deep shots. I think he's going to be phenomenal. And then obviously, you know, it's probably not going to happen this year, but after him, Nico Iamaleva, uh, the, the quarterback coming in, a top 10 recruit with a ton of arm talent as well. So, yeah, I think Tennessee, man, is still going to be probably a top 10 team in the country. Max, one thing I like about your Twitter bio that caught our attention here on this show, not only are you doing great work for Pro Football Focus on the college side, hosting the preferred walk-on podcast, doing draft work, you're also a fast food addict per your your Twitter bio. And when you have college football content with fast food, oh, you're you're a you're a huge uh, a huge part of this show. Now, what are your what are your fast food go tos? Like when you're really getting to that 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 hankering, what what are you going for? Yeah, so uh, fast food addict is brutal because you know it was great in in college when I had my metabolism. Yeah. And once that once that went, man, I was like, oh boy, I can't be eating like this every <laughs> single day anymore. But uh, I, I do love uh, it's you know it's the, the one that everyone talks about. But I do think it's great. McDonald's is awesome. Mm. Uh, but I think one I don't know if you guys have it down there, but it's called Smashburger. Oh, you um, have it. That's yeah. Okay, yeah, Smashburger is phenomenal. I, I think that's that's one that I. I probably say is my number one right now. Are you a right. are you a Culver's, Freddy's, or Steak and Shake? If I had to pick so one, I could, we don't really have them around here, but I've had it before. I like uh, I think I like Steak and Shake. I, I think that's the one that I've had before. Um, yeah, that was pretty good. I really like that. One. White Castle or Crystal? It's, did Willie P. Just so you know, Max, Willie P. is like our. 
our food sensei here. He's gonna. He's gonna. It's like you're gonna, gonna drill you. It's like you're getting interrogated for is, a crime. I apologize. Is, I gotta be this honest. Is this is like Brady and Rogers going yeah, back and he's forth got, right he's, now. This he's is turned unbelievable. the lights down and he's not even looking our direction. He's just focused on you right now, Max. Better answer his questions though. No, I uh, I hate to say it. I don't think I'm a fan of. I don't think I've had the second one. But White Castle, I know I'm not. Mm. I'm not a huge fan of White oh Castle. Oh my god, this disappointing. I, I gotta tell you, I like Matt. Are, is there is Chick Fil A popular in Ohio? You're from Cincinnati, right? Yeah, oh yeah, I live in Cincinnati now. I'm originally from New Jersey, but yeah, Chick Fil A is, is super popular. I think that is one that you can never go wrong with. It sucks when it's not open on Sundays. I've, I've made that mistake many times trying to get there before NFL kickoff. Uh, but yeah, I've uh, yeah, Chick Fil A is, is definitely one of my go. We need to get sure. you some Bojangles, Max. We very yeah. much need to do that. Yes, I've heard about it. I'm not from the South, so I don't, I don't think I've ever had it. But yeah, Bojangles, I've heard it's phenomenal. We'll drive it. We'll drive it to you. Just meet us halfway, and we'll do a drop off. How did, how did you react to Skyline Chili as a Cincinnati transplant the first time you saw it? Uh, okay, I haven't had it yet, and I really, death, I'm deathly terrified to try it. Everyone who's told me is like, dude, if before you leave, you have to get it. I mean, just putting chili on top of spaghetti, man, looks so nasty to me. It does. I, I know I have to pinch my nose and try it before I leave here. Max, did you notice how Willie's voice changed when we started talking food? He got deeper and serious. He's like, Sky, Skyline Chili, give me your thoughts. I, I apologize. We, we Don't hope, apologize for food snobbery. We, we hope to get you back on at some point for more college football and food talk. Max, you're the best. We encourage, we demand that people follow you at Max Chadwick CFB for tweets and content links and a bunch of your podcasts as well. Thanks so much, man. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for that. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. WFNC because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Talking about the Carolina Panthers. And the thing that's been interesting to me is that we've had such contrasting opinions about this team this season. We have some people who look at the Panthers as perhaps a dark horse in the NFC. We have some people that have said the Panthers have had one of the best off-seasons in the NFL. And then you have things that come out, like the ESPN insiders that have come out and rated the rosters, Mike Clay and Seth Walder, and ranked the Panthers' roster 25th in all of football. Because on the flip side of some of those positive reports, you have people who are predicting the Panthers to be one of the worst teams to not make the playoffs uh, and things of that nature. So why do you think, Walker, that there's been such mixed opinions on the Panthers from so many different places? I think because you look at the skill position group and some people are as low 
on them as any group that this Carolina Panthers team has. And so even if you like Bryce Young, you might not think that the pass catchers are a good enough group for him to thrive his rookie season. You might not like the depth, the guy opposite of Brian Burns, whoever that pass rusher is going to be. You might think there are real problems there. You might look at the numbers the defense posted last year, and despite them having some real talent on that side, the numbers weren't as good as they were two years ago on that defensive side. They still have a lot of the same people that were on that good defensive number team two years ago, but the numbers weren't as good last year. And so maybe you just are trying to bake in a little bit of cook time with Bryce Young before he really starts to, you know, set the league on fire. I think that's probably why. And it is a middle of the road team. I mean, even if you are the most optimistic on the Carolina Panthers, I think the most reasonable optimistic take that you can have is 10 and seven. Is that fair? I mean, it's it's on the high end of outcomes. That it is. But it's but I think it's not unrealistic. I think it's the most optimistic of those outcomes. And you also might have them in the postseason because the NFC South is so bad, which is important to note. So if the NFC South is bad, Carolina is going to be contending for a playoff spot. Even if they don't get to 10 wins, they could have nine. Okay. They could go nine and eight and still be in playoff contention. It feels like they're going to be in the, in the hunt graphic every single time you watch Sunday night football on NBC. And that's going to be good enough for them to get a shot. They got a shot last year. If they beat Tampa Bay, then they're going into the last game of the regular season, actually playing for something. So I do think that there are a lot of reasons on both sides as to why there are such varying opinions. Yeah. And I think too, about it, when you start to go underneath the surface, I'm trying to think of how to say it. It's like a lot of the 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 great on it. There's a little bit of dirt underneath it. Nothing is exactly a hundred percent clean, uh, pristine, so to speak. Because you look at Frank Wright. Yes, he was fired before he got this job. So it's not like he's coming in with the reputation that he just decided to leave a winning team where he was winning championships or winning at a high clip and came over to fix the Carolina Panthers. Then you look at some of the off-season additions where you look at a Adam Thielen. Well, yes, he's already shown that he's a good veteran leader and things of that nature, but then there's a lot of people who think he has washed not quite the receiver that he once was, and the analytical data shows that at his advanced age that receivers don't tend to be as productive. DJ Chark, ankle injuries. I mean, you could kind of go all over. There's a caveat for everything, yeah. Exactly. So with a lot that's happened, and I think that's maybe why you get some people who do choose to look at the negative side of some of those situations, and you get some that choose to look at it on the positive side. But I just found that interesting because the Panthers seem to be uh, a trendy pick with some and not so trendy others. And Spence writes in, Walker, all caps, big all caps guy. I respect it, Spence. He says, I've kept trying to warn y'all that you need to calm down your high hopes for the Panthers making the playoffs, all caps. It ain't happening. Yeah, I don't feel that emphatic that they're going to make it. I'm not going to put all caps down that they're not going to make it. I think they're going to be contending at the very end. And I can't mention it enough. The NFC South is not a good division. You have Dennis Allen and Todd Bowles coaching in this division one of those guys by default is the third best head coach in a football division Dennis Allen has been horrible Todd Bowles has been a good defensive coordinator like Dennis Allen but we've seen some really poor in-game decision making from both of those head coaches Tampa Bay has Baker Mayfield starting which is the guy that got Carolina off to such a bad start last year before Sam Darnold Sam Darnold had to come in and help them at the very end of last year's regular season. New Orleans doesn't have Drew Brees anymore. 
I, I don't know how New Orleans is going to look with Derek Carr, who is an upgrade at QB from what they had last year. But you're still talking about a roster that isn't going to have their best offensive playmaker for a while. And Alvin Kamara, who we expect a suspension. I don't know if that's even come down officially yet. But, it has not. But I think we expect Alvin Kamara to be missing some real time. So, yeah, all that to be said, sure. I'm not going to be surprised if Carolina misses out on the postseason, but also can't tell you I'll be surprised if they make it. It's going to be, I think, a real 50-50 shot for them as the season goes on. Okay, and so another part of that that's going to be interesting is Carolina's defense. And we've talked about at length uh, the different things that they need to do to ascend this season. And so one thing that I found interesting was that uh, Doug Farrar of USA Today Sports, when talking about Brian Burns, he dropped in the nugget that the Panthers were a heavy blitz team in the 2022 season, sending extra rushers on 31% of their snaps. But that only resulted in 35 sacks that was near the bottom of the league. And so they had to do this, obviously, because lack of pass rushing talent on the other side of Brian Burns and other parts of the field. Chuck Bagano, uh, that was a former coach of the Indianapolis Colts, when he was talking about Ezra Evero, he said, and I quote, he's not as aggressive as some of the other defensive coordinators, but he was reasonably aggressive as the play caller in Denver last season. So we can anticipate more of that. And he said the Panthers are going to play fast, be aggressive, technically sound, a lot more zone than man, and he won't be afraid to get after opposing teams when he has to. So should you be concerned about the pass rush given that the numbers of them being top six in the league, top for six to be exact, in blitz, and the fact that so little sacks came from that and that they didn't do a whole heck of a lot to upgrade that position. And then you hear that Israel Evero not as aggressive as other coordinators, but will get after people when he has to. Is that something that is concerning for you at this juncture when you think about this defense and trying to take the next step? Because we know getting sacks is a big way to be able to do that. It's one of the more concerning things about this team, for sure. I've talked about it a lot. I, I've gone to get Getting a veteran edge rusher into this organization quite a bit. It's the it's the next move I would like to see this team make. When you start to get ready for the regular season, some of these vets don't want to go through training camp like that, but they're still staying in shape on their own. After all that happens and you don't have to go to Spartanburg, one of the more, I have to imagine, one of the worst sites for training camp, not because there's any shade to Spartanburg. Heat. I mean, it's a different kind of hot. You see even national NFL reporters who are on job going to Wofford to cover the Carolina Panthers during training camp. Yeah, it's muggy. It's really hot. I tweeted out one year that the bugs flying around need to be tested for PEDs. It's a different kind of swamp <laughs> down there next to Wofford. So, yeah, I imagine a Jadevian Clowney who might know a thing or two about South Carolina weather doesn't really want to go through that at training camp. Oh, and he you doesn't have want to, to go through a lot. Well, you're just saying because he's lazy or like. Well, you know, he just doesn't have a great attitude, not a great demeanor, and not very productive. So, ugh. So you don't want Clowney. I know no. that. Oh, or Yannick Ngakwe, whatever. Whatever edge <laughs> rusher that you want yeah, to point continue. to. Yeah, continue. I'm sorry. I took you off your point. No, you're good. I, no, I, yes, we we know about the opposite edge rusher, how I've always thought just bringing in somebody that has some production under their belt. I think that matters because, no, I'm not asking them to be a star. Whoever you bring in is not going to be a pro bowler. That's just not going to happen. Clowney, former number one overall pick, if you bring him in, yeah, not going to be an all-pro guy, not going to be a Pro Bowl-level dude. 
will stop the run. I actually think that matters when he can set the edge. And they've been talking about how much they value that in DJ Johnson. If Jadeveon Clowney comes in, no, he probably won't post a ton of sacks. But, man, that'll be pretty nice on an odd man front if you put him out there on that edge and he's strong enough to hold dudes in place. That matters, especially if Marquise Haynes is another situational pass rusher. So all that to say, yeah, I, I think you are going to have some interesting packages that you're throwing at the offense to try to figure out how to manufacture a pass rush. Yeah, and so do you think that with the Panthers, like I said, finishing last season 25th in total sacks, that he's going to have to be more aggressive than maybe he would normally be with those limited pass rushing options. He, he might be, but here we are talking about Denver being a good defense last year with Averro calling those plays. They didn't have a ton of sack artists on that squad last year. Bradley Chubb was yeah, they one. Were just above the Panthers, 24th with 36 total sacks. So Bradley Chubb had five and a half in eight games, but remember he was traded, and so that's all you got from um, Bradley Chubb, a first round pick um, all those years ago. Jermont Jones had six and a half sacks. Baron Browning had five. Deshaun Williams, now a Carolina Panther, was fourth on their team with four and a half and was only two off of the lead. And so now you have Deshaun Williams coming into this organization alongside Avero, who knows how to get the best out of him. So yeah, actually, it's kind of funny. If Bradley Chubb is gone from the Denver Broncos, you don't you don't account for him, right? Does Carolina have a better group of pass rushers than what Denver has? Mm -hmm. Just total, you know? I think that's something where, okay, maybe Averro's looking at this like, hey, I put up okay numbers. Not great, right? I know that's a weakness, I guess. But put up good enough numbers to be a good defense, even if they didn't come via the sack. Then maybe you could go with Carolina and be like, I, I can do that with Brian Burns and Derek Brown and a guy I had last year in Deshaun Williams. Yeah, Denver did field a top 10 defense when you talk about uh, total yards given up per game and then around 13th as far as scoring defense is concerned. I do think that, I mean, the, the defensive scheme change, I think, is going to help out. I think Brian Burns will be more productive. I also think that whomever is on the other side uh, should be able to have some opportunities in an odd front. But I do think that more than likely he's going to have to be a little bit more creative and aggressive than normal because until we see what young DJ has uh, up his sleeve and Marquise Haynes and those guys when they get into live game situations because as far as Haynes and YGM is concerned and we don't know if one of them will be cut or whatever the situation may be, but we already have an idea of what they're going to give you. You can't look at these guys at this point and think that they're going to automatically turn into double-digit sack guys. You, you can't go in there thinking that. So he's going to have to use a Jeremy Chen in a role like what he did as a rookie and use him more on the blitz and then be a little bit more creative. So I do think he's going to have to be uh, more aggressive than maybe he's comfortable with just because he doesn't have uh, the pass rushing options probably that he would like coming into this season. Well, and we talk about a guy like Frankie Louvu who posted a nice sack total at the linebacker position last year. Yes. You look at non-defensive linemen for Denver last season and how many sacks they posted. You can go to Josie Jewell, who had 128 tackles and two and a half sacks, seven tackles for loss, but two and a half sacks. Jonathan Cooper had two sacks altogether. Looking at some other guys, you did have Kawan Williams at the cornerback position get one. But really, the point being, they didn't have a whole lot of secondary guys, a lot of linebackers 
post a ton of sack numbers and basically, as you mentioned, just not blitzing as much. You have a lot of chess pieces here that you can work with, like a Jeremy Chin, like a Von Bell who can be aggressive, Frankie Louvu, as we mentioned. So many versatile guys on top of Derek Brown and Brian Burns. Yeah, I just I feel like there's a lot of stuff. Like you can just do a lot of different coverages, a lot of you know, camouflaging your looks to, to the offense. I think that they're I think Avero with him being a pretty versatile and creative type of play caller. You just have a lot of different guys that you could use to help him in that way that maybe you didn't even have with Denver. And and Pat Sertan can be your J.C. Horn and vice versa, right? I, I think Averro can do his same magic with this Carolina Panthers team that he did with last year's Denver Broncos team. Yeah, and so we'll see this season if the Panthers do uh, lower that blitz percentage or if it gets high, if they get up into that top five and just are coming after the quarterback all the time. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. The Carolina Panthers have two spots open in their Hall of Honor. Uh, the team announced that via social media just a while ago. And the simple question is, who should be the next two members of the Carolina Panthers Hall of Honor? Uh, currently six members total. Uh, Mike McCormick, former t- team president and general manager, uh, the creator of the PSL, uh, originator, went in many, many moons ago. Sam Mills as well. Uh, and those were the only two for about 20, was it 20 or 21 years. So I think McCormick went in in 1997, 1998. Sam Mills, I was actually at the preseason game where he, they just, uh, defeated Washington in August of 05. Jerry Richardson had a special halftime speech. Um, and then it wasn't until 2019, so about a 14-year period in between uh, inductions. Yep, and then when, when that happened in 2019, it was Steve Smith, Jake DeLome, Jordan Gross, and uh, Wesley Walsh. Mm-hmm. So there are currently six members in the Hall of Honor. Who should be the next two? Uh, Jack is pandering to smoke and says uh, Brad Hoover and Jeff King are the two. Why Jeff King? Well, he's actually pandering to both of us. And I don't, uh, even, I don't even know uh, if he's doing it intentionally or not because you're a big Brad Hoover stan. You might be the only one. A huge Brad Hoover stan. The reason I, I got into the sport of football. Jeff King was the reason that um, I, I, I debated whether or not to play football because he scared the bejesus out of me. Uh, we grew up 20 minutes apart. Jeff King was a scary man in high school. Um, but yeah, I knew Jeff, I, that was the guy. He was a few years older than me. And I remember, like, I think it was a freshman, he was a senior. And watching that guy play, and I was like, I don't think I want any part of Jeff King at all. Just a monster of a man. Uh, anyway, so a texter here said, who 
is our leading rusher again all time. Just remind me. I, I'm assuming that Vin Greasy is, um, you know, cleverly referring to Jonathan Stewart, Jay Stu. Jay Stu has gotten mentioned a couple of times, Smoke, but he's not been an overwhelming favorite to get one of those two spots. Yeah, I think it's because one of these things where I think people realize they want to get some of the last late 90s, early 2000s names in, and that's where kind of Moose and John Casey come about. So I feel like the leaders in the clubhouse, no pun intended, are John Casey, Moose, and maybe some Luke and TD. But I feel like a lot of people understand that the Luke and TD stuff might be a little too recent. That's where I feel like Jace 2 kind of gets into that mold as well. Does can't who does so there are two spots open. They put four in a couple of years ago. I don't think they're always going to put four players in. No. Doesn't make sense. You you do two at a time. So I, I think Luke and TD going together. Who goes with Cam Newton? He might be one of those guys you just put in by himself. You think so? Yeah. I think you could also do that with Peppers. I think the plan might be they put Casey and Moose in this time around. Okay. And then Peppers is eligible for the Hall of Fame first ballot next year. If Peppers gets in first ballot, they have him in Canton, and then they have him get honored in the Hall of Honor later that year. We've seen certain teams do that in the past before as well. Same year that they get inducted into the Hall of Fame. Okay. So we could see Peppers get in like in 2024, 2025. Do Cam and Greg go in together? They could, but I feel like But but Hold on, think about it, though. I'm not arguing with you, but what I'm saying is Greg has ascended to being the A-team color analyst on the Fox broadcast. He just called a Super Bowl. I I think while one of them, one of the two is unquestionably the all-time, you know, better player as a Panther, it's Cam Newton. Greg's profile will continue to rise over the years. In addition, nationally, in addition to having been a, a hell of a tight end here. So... You're not wrong, but if you want to go two by two moving forward, every couple of years, put two guys in. I think it makes a hell of a lot of sense to put Cam Newton and Greg Olson in together. Don't you? Yeah, I think that could make sense. I'll I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, man. Yeah. You got to do it. You got to do it. I'll tell you what, man. Thank you. Well, it's actually very apropos considering the two names I'm about to mention. I know some bridges have been burned with this next guy, but you talk about a perfect pairing two by two. You tell me you're not going to put both Jay Stu and D'Angelo win two by two? Oh, okay, that's a good point. That's that you're you're not. Wrong I, I want to eventually mend the fences with D'Angelo with the city of Charlotte and the fan base. You know, it's got to start on this show because the 2008 season that is one of the more underrated seasons. Now we don't talk about how it ended because that's the worst loss in Panthers history. But man, that game against the Buccaneers specifically, where they ran rough shot against them. Is some of the most fun ground and pound football I've ever seen in my life. Okay, All right, you you answer the phone somehow. So a, a couple of y'all clearly wrote down the alternative phone number for some reason. AT and T still hasn't fixed our freaking phone lines. Um, I, I don't know why. I don't know what's going on. I truly don't have the answer, but I do have a solution for you right now uh, because a few of y'all apparently wrote down the alternative phone lines. I'm gonna give it to everybody. 704-548-7890. One more time. Seven zero four. Five four eight seven eight nine zero. That's the number if you want to get in. Two spots open in the Carolina Panthers Hall of Honor. Who should get them? 704-548-7890. Call me, let me know. We'll, we'll take those calls today. It's a rather, you know, important occasion, especially during the dog days of summer when you know things are slow. We're pining for football. It's big news. We're talking historically here. Somebody said uh, Wolfpack James, though, uh when in response to my thoughts about you know, Cam and Greg Olson going in together says, well, who goes in with Ryan Khalil then? Well, I mean, Cam and Greg are pretty close, but there's not much more of an intimate relationship than uh, quarterback center. If you know what I mean? So 
That wouldn't be fair to Ryan, in my opinion, though. No? I feel like Cam has to be all by himself. I think you could do it with Greg. I really do. Maybe Greg, but you can't do it with Ryan. Okay. Okay. Because offensive linemen are pretty hard to get attention as it is. Ooh, ooh, here's one. Uh, Big T from from NC says, is no one saying Ron Rivera, he and Cam together? How do we feel about that one? If you put someone with Cam, I'd rather go with Ron than Greg. But also, it's one of those things, too. What happens if, let's say, Frank Reich wins the Super Bowl? All of Ron's accomplishments aren't really the first thing that we mentioned. I, I hate to point it out like this, but you have to point it out like this. Okay. All right. 704-548-7890. If you want to call, if not the text line, the usual number's up. 704-570-9610. Dog wrote down the number, and I love him for that. Let's see what Dog thinks about this. What's up, brother? How are you? Hey, I got it locked in, bro. You told, I told you, y'all my boys, man. Appreciate you. I was, uh, hey, no problem. I was going to say, uh, I was going to say Cam, but, uh, we got to give it up for Smitty. Uh, uh, Steve Smith, I, I think he, he ought to go in. And, uh, two, don't put John Casey in there. He blowed the Super Bowl, man. I'm sorry. Well, dog, Smitty's I'm already sorry. in. He, but, Smitty went in in 2019. Oh, okay, well, well, cool. But, uh, <laughs> no, no John, no John Casey, bro. I'm sorry, man. You can't blow no Super Bowl, bro. I mean, they had it. They had the big bad uh, uh, Peckers beat, and 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 oh my gosh, I'm I'm having flashbacks. But uh, I was gonna say uh, two. Um, who was the first draft? I mean, number uh, number one draft pick for the Panthers? Kerry Collins. Yeah, Kerry Collins, like the very first pick ever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, or maybe Mike Minner, because Mike Minner was good. All right. If you want to go on the defensive side. But, uh, yeah, no John Casey. I'm sorry, John, but nah, bro. You, nah, no. <laughs> nah, bro. Nah. Dog, you're the man. Thank you, bud. I appreciate the phone call. Hit us up. Uh, your, your thoughts on this. 980 number just hit me with one. I, th- I thought about this, too. He says, KB, controversial selection. When do you put in Jerry Richardson? Anybody want to tangle with that one? Not going to have that conversation right now. R- really? I don't think. When's an appropriate time to have that conversation? I don't know, but well, he just died, so. No, no, I know. I know. All I'm saying is this is the founding owner of the Carolina Panthers. Without him, there are no Carolina Panthers. No, that's right. That's right. And it was a damn near miracle because every, if you go back to that, uh, if you go back to when they had the expansion announcement, because you had multiple cities. Carolina had a chance, but it was pretty much a long shot. Everyone thought Baltimore was going to get it as repaying them for losing to Colts in the middle of the night. But they literally kind of just lore, rested on the laurels thinking, oh, we're definitely going to get it. They're definitely going to give it to us. And guys like Jerry Richardson and the Jacksonville Jaguars put all the work in and you know leapfrogged both of them. So Jerry had the drive to get it done here. It can't go without saying it's as we've said when he passed away back in March is yeah. a complicated legacy. Well, right, right. But I don't think it's so complicated that Jerry Richardson isn't in the Hall of Honor at some point. At some point, I, I would agree. But I don't know if now is right. But, right but it's going to start to But you, the longer. You, and I'm, I'm again, not arguing. The longer you put it off, the more it's going to start to feel like a Pete Rose situation. Right. Yeah. Well, when's the right time? Yeah, but what about his past? Yeah, but when's the right time? Yeah, but what about his past? You go on and on and on and on forever. So when do you make that decision? 
I don't know. Just asking. Uh, Javi Joe says, I was going to say Jerry Richardson, but I was scared to get canceled. Who's going to cancel you? It's a legitimate question. Yeah. This is the Twitter of radio shows. You can say what you want. I might not read it all because of FCC violations, but you can say what you want. Say what you want. 704-570-9610. Carolina Panthers have two spots open in the Hall of Honor. The team announced just a little while ago. Who should be the next two players in the coveted Hall of Honor? Uh, Let's see. What else are people saying? 828 says Cam isn't even officially retired yet. And the others are only three or so years since retiring. That's why I think Smoke's more or less on the nose here. Um, I could see a situation where, like you said, they try to marry it to Julius Peppers inevitably going into Canton to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Because Darren Gant's been telling us he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he's on that list. Like, he's on the deciding board. And if they, if they put Jason Taylor in first ballot, they have to put Peppers in because Peppers is a better player than Jason Taylor was. Sure. So that's why I think you could line it up with Pepper maybe next year. Okay. So then you, you do that. So then what? Moose and who? John Casey, all-time leading scorer in Panthers history. Uh, now it's getting spicy on the text line. 704 number says KB only cancels people who think Allison Chains is grunge. True. Uh, Matt from Greensboro wants Dom Capers' hair to go into the Hall of Honor, uh, which I think there's a serious conversation that needs to be had there. Uh, 410 number says, I know he's still coaching right now, but will Rivera ever get in? Interesting you say that. Somebody said, somebody else said, did Ron Rivera ever have back-to-back winning seasons? No. Hard pass on Rivera in the Hall of Honor. Back-to-back playoff appearances. That that did happen. That did happen. Back-to-back-to-back NFC South champions. Uncle Steve says, dog is dead wrong. Our caller dog is dead wrong. And John Casey deserves, more than deserves, to be in the Hall of Honor. That's football, bro. People need to get over that kick out of bounds. Well said, smoke. That's from Uncle Steve. Your thoughts, 704-570-9610. Two Carolina Panthers going into the Hall of Honor. When's the right time for... The sub-conversations within this conversation are fascinating. When does Jerry Richardson go in? He just passed away. I think you could, if you're going to do it, I think you could argue, Smoke, that this year is the year to do it. He just passed away. Some will say too soon. Got it. Understood. But then be it was year two, year three, year seven, year 11. What's more right? I don't know. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.